0: Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are talking about The Witch from 2015, directed and written by Robert Eggers, starring Anya Taylor-Joy, Ralph Innocent, Kate Dickey, and Harvey Scrimshaw. This movie is about a family in 1630s New England who is terrorized by an unknown entity that may be lurking in the woods. Uh, And we chose this movie because it was a listener request from my old friend, Pat. Hi, Pat. If you've got requests, let us know, and we'll try to work them into our schedule. Um, Ash, how you doing, buddy?
1: Hey, I'm doing really good. good. How are you?
0: Good. I feel like an alternate plot description for this movie could be a teenage girl with a wild heart struggles to find her place in an uptight family. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the interesting things. Uh, you know, ever since we saw the Babadook, and and uh, I, I know like they've well, I guess there are other movies like this too, where sometimes you don't know if the ghosts or, or the monsters are, like metaphors or not. Uh, and, and I remember like the first time I saw this one, I, I kind of felt like the same way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that uh, that that could actually be the story. It's just about a girl <laughs> that's taking on her uptight family. <laughs> But yeah, that, yeah, that, that,
0: yeah. I mean, I think that's the the emotional core behind the story.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And I, sure. I
0: got a. It's interesting that you said what you just said because I've got something to pick your brain about a little later in the show.
1: Okay.
0: About <laughs> some different ways to interpret this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 excited to talk about it.
0: Yeah. Um. Oh, before we keep going, I want to tell the listeners that we are starting slowly to do some written reviews on our website, HorrorMovieClub.com. So if you're looking to get some more of us, um, go check that out. I think we'll probably have a review of the original Leprechaun that we posted for St. Patrick's Day. And hopefully uh, one or two other movies will be on there by the time you hear this. Uh, anyway, Back to the witch, Ash. This is uh, we just talked about this a few episodes ago on Witchfinder General. This could be, uh, considered folk horror. Uh, yeah, but this
1: one takes place in the U.S., though, right?
0: Yeah, typically those folk horror movies are kind of about the British countryside. But we did see one person on the British Film Institute's website, kind of thinking that this could be considered maybe folk horror. It definitely has some things in common.
1: Yeah, I, I could totally see it, uh, from a genre perspective. Uh, yeah. You also you also put woman in, in black in that category, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. And I think it's just kinda like the themes of isolation and isolating landscape and maybe even like the landscape almost being a character unto itself.
1: Is the whole folklore around witches a part of that as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems like all those movies have something to do with witches, at least that unholy trinity. Um, I don't know anything about the blood on Satan's claw, but The Wicker Man and um, Yeah, Witchfinder General both had had things to do with witches.
1: Yeah, Wiccan themes.
0: Yep, and I, I think this also could fall squarely into like a religious horror subgenre, along with like The Exorcist or Rosemary's Baby or The Omen.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, you know, watching this uh, the second time, uh, I, I almost felt, uh, I, I know like the first time I saw this, I was, I was pretty impressed by it watching it now though I, I kind of see how similar it is like format and structure wise to like other movies that we've seen, like hereditary, uh, it comes at nights. Um, uh, what was that movie in the seventies where like uh, a child dies? In the, yeah. Don't look now. All these movies, <laughs> like they start out with a death. I, and I know you so well. Yeah, I, know. I just have to say, the decade. Uh, yeah, all all these movies like kind of uh, have a similar structure, right? Like it, it, and they play on like family drama after like a death happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is like a. It's definitely a setup for, I think almost any genre of movie could have that setup. Start out with a character who's uh, dealing with the death of a family member, and it plays out from there.
1: Yeah. That's how the last uh, Infinity War movie started, or the Avengers movie. Did you see that one?
0: I did. way that started out? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs>
1: Sorry, the death that, that <laughs> Thor had to deal with the rest of the time.
0: Yeah. Infinity War and the Witch.
1: Basically yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Also, folk, uh, folk horror.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, this is, I think, widely considered among critics to be one of the best horror movies of 2015. And.
1: It seems like maybe
0: some people think one of the best of this decade.
1: Yeah, I, I used to think so, but now I'm wondering. Uh, given like how similar it is uh, structure wise to others, but yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's up there. Uh, I mean, what what are your thoughts?
0: I think I think it is up there. It may not be in my top ten, but it's definitely up there. Yeah, um, w- but I don't know. I mean, we're watching horror movies. You can't pick apart the fact that the structures are similar too much. True, true. And this came before those, before hereditary or it comes at night.
1: Uh, it did. Yeah. But that, what was that movie from the 70s?
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. You need me to verify that this 2015 movie came
1: after the one from the 70s then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh Rosemary's Baby, I yeah, actually I don't think there was a, a death in that one was there. Um, mm-hmm. no,
0: I don't think that starts
1: with a death. Yeah. But, but it's but been I, a while I, since I saw that, so don't I get, get what mad, you're saying, me. though, like yeah. I I get what you're saying though. Like, I mean that's kind of a, a nitpicky thing. Like when a lot of movies start like that, so it, yeah. it's not to, to fault it. Yep. Yeah. Um,
0: so this has a ninety one percent score on Rotten Tomatoes and only a fifty seven percent audience score. Yeah. Any, any theories for why that might be?
1: Uh I mean I went to see some theaters and it was empty. I mean, uh I, I don't think this like yeah. This one I don't I don't think like filled your a uh, typical, like, scary movie-going experience because they, there aren't a lot of, like, jump out or, like, pop out moments in this, are there?
0: There are not. That's my theory, too. Like, a lack of jump scares, a slow burn, and a bleak atmosphere. Yeah. One other thing is, and I don't know how you feel about this, the dialogue is really difficult to follow. Oh, yeah. At least it was for me. I, and I yeah. tried to get subtitles on my TV and couldn't figure it out for this one for some reason. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I watched it with subtitles this time and uh, yeah, it it definitely helped. But yeah, I I remember that like the first time because it's like that old English that they're talking. And they they also they kind of mumble a lot, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially the dad. He's got a really gravelly voice. It's this old English and he's got a very thick English accent. Yeah. Uh, And it's difficult. And like the it's almost like they're speaking a different language in some ways. Like the words are all rearranged. I mean, not to just sound like a big old dummy, but it was a struggle for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think that definitely turned audiences off or pulled away from the storyline or the scares. Uh, so this was
0: Robert Eggers, the director of his first feature film. And he has one coming out in 2019, supposedly, called The Lighthouse with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe.
1: Yeah, I couldn't find, like, any synopsis, though, about it or a release date or, like, what, what it's even about. Uh, were you able to find—do you know if it's, like, a horror film or— the,
0: It's a horror film, I'm pretty sure, but there's very little information out there. It doesn't even have a release date yet. It's supposedly coming out this year.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting.
0: And as we mentioned in the Nosferatu episode, he was going to do a remake of Nosferatu um, with Anya Taylor-Joy in it. Um, yeah. But it sounds like that's been put on the back burner. Um, hopefully it will still happen.
1: Yeah, it it sounds like he was pretty overwhelmed by that opportunity. I mean, he gets to like recreate a, a classic, which I mean, I he's such a great director. I I, I feel like everything he well, I guess this one at least, uh, he, he's he's got a good vision for stuff.
0: Yeah, it sounded like he had some reticence about that being his second feature film, like remaking such an epic classic. Like he almost felt unworthy.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty big task.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but we will also see Anya Taylor Joy in a movie this year because she's in that new Mu- New Mutants movie.
1: Oh, right! And is that a horror film?
0: Yeah, I think it's like a horror superhero
1: movie.
0: That's cool. So I, I look you know, forward I, to that.
1: Yeah, I'm really liking her. She's blown up kind of in the horror gen- genre. She's uh, she did this, and and she was she must have been pretty young when she when she did this film back in uh, 20, uh, 2015, or 15, Sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like after that, she followed up with, uh, she was in splits. There was like another movie, I think called Morgan that she was in. And then this year she was in glass already. Yep. So she's yeah. definitely kind of carving out a name within the, uh, the horror area. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And good for her. She's, she's a good actress.
1: She is. Yeah. I really like her work. So this
0: movie had a $4 million budget and made 40 million at the box office. Pretty successful, right? So yeah, it was successful, even though the audience scores were low. Um, yeah. Hey, man, I feel like we should clear up sometimes when we talk about budgets and how much the movie makes. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of times we'll be like, oh, a, ba- a movie barely made its money back if it made more than the budget. Yeah. But the accounting for movies is pretty complicated, it seems, uh, the more I've read about it. Uh-huh. So I think half of that box office goes to, I can't remember, it's a little more than half or a little less than half goes to the movie theaters themselves
1: oh no kidding
0: yeah and the other half goes to the studio um or the distributor yeah and then you have to subtract from that the marketing budget and there i'm sure there's all sorts of other stuff going on there too that that we're not even aware of but it's not just as simple as like hey the budget was four million and it made (laughs) five million so yeah
1: yeah it's not a simple uh subtracted ad.
0: yeah I've heard a general rule of thumb is if it triples its budget, then it's probably profitable. But, um, but you never know, because like this movie made forty million, but something like its sister movie Infinity War, yeah, like that could have had more than a forty million marketing campaign. True, true. A big budget if, movie like that.
1: If we're talking strict financials, though, I, it sounds like box office still implies revenue. But I, I think what we're kind of talking about is profitability, right? Right, right, yeah. And and, and that's where you're saying the, 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 there's a big difference, right? Yeah, yeah. $40 million yeah. is simply the revenue. Right, um, right, okay. And
0: it's not entirely the revenue because then you've got the video on demand and the DVDs and the Blu-rays, um, which is impossible to track. That's, that, that information doesn't seem to be available anywhere. just wanted to clear that up for... Anybody who was confused or rolling their eyes at us when we said stupid stuff in the past. Thanks. Good, yeah. good math lesson. Economics yeah. there. It's good. All right. So on to saying more stupid stuff that we'll have to correct later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ooh, kind of sticking on a financial topic. So this was filmed in a very remote location in Canada. And I don't know if you noticed this, buddy, but like we talked about in the My Bloody Valentine episode, this was also partially funded by the Canadian government.
1: Oh, are you serious?
0: Yeah. But, you know, I, I totally s- understand that now. Like, it sounded crazy at first, but, like, U.S. municipalities give, or states, I don't even know what government levels it happens at, but we give tax breaks to movies and productions and, and businesses because sure. it creates economic boons, jobs, etc.
1: I guess. You would equate that as, like, a similar practice of, like, the government using tax funds to invest in a movie or produce a movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a little more direct and maybe a little uh, gut level, you know, socialism feeling. Yeah. But it's the same thing. Giving somebody a, giving somebody a hand to make a movie.
1: Sure. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I never thought about it in that lens. That's a good point. Yeah. Um,
0: somebody gave the Adams family a hand to make that movie. Uh, (laughs) Never mind, I thought there was an opportunity there Oh man Uh, That was good (laughs) No, I think had I worded it differently it may have worked But let's
1: call that a crash I know man Uh, Hey, I had a question for you Go You know, watching this after Witchfinder So Witchfinder, uh, very different movie than this Kind of more of like a documentary Where you're kind of watching this real life figure uh, go around, hunts down witches, supposedly kill them. And I what do we say? Like he killed like 300 witches in his lifetime or so? Yeah, something like that. So, so it's like 300 innocent people that this guy killed. So the, the the whole witch thing like was real and it was like a travesty and like I think maybe like five or 600 people in total died or so. Uh, so it's, it's kind of like a massacre um, in a way. And, and, you know, it's like kind of this dark uh, shadow on, on our history and, you know, pretty... Crazy practice that happened a while ago so after watching the witch finder when i watched this i was kind of wondering like you know these movies that you know adhere to the idea of a witch or promote uh the the concept of a witch like are they uh you know embellishing something that happened in the past that isn't like uh you know something that we should be saying like giving legitimacy to uh does that do do you know what i'm saying
0: like are they making it seem like witches really were real?
1: Yeah, when they weren't real and and, and <laughs> the unrealness of them actually killed like you know so many people like is it okay to be making movies about something that was false but led to the death of like so many people I guess
0: Oh okay, like kind of is it disrespectful to even like yeah, pretend yeah, it's interesting you get a certain uh, amount of years away from something and you can you can do what you will with it, I guess, yeah, um, that's true. Yeah yeah, But things that have happened in the recent past You can't really make fun of I mean they're not making fun of it But yeah I hear what you're saying It's almost disrespectful to be like Well let's pretend witches really did exist When yeah. thou- pr- probably thousands of people died that. Uh, I think oh. that 600 number was only in Anyone Britain t- In that, in Britain that time yeah. period um, yeah. I know, yeah I can't remember now what that stat was But I don't think that included the colonies Right
1: yeah yeah Yeah, it just kind of makes me look at witch movies a little differently, given there's like some like really dark truth behind it that like resulted in, uh, you know, that that happening back then. Yeah. But uh, yeah,
0: man. Um, Speaking of which, did you apparently the Salem witch trials in the colonies weren't the first large scale witch trials that happened here. Um, The Connecticut witch trials occurred from 1647 to 1663. So that was like 30 years before the Salem witch trials. Oh, no kidding. So why did, why yeah. did Salem
1: get all the credit?
0: Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was, uh, maybe there were more people that died there. Oh, okay. But, uh, speaking of those Connecticut witch trials, man, are you familiar with, uh, Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland?
1: Uh, yeah. Yep. Do you know why it's called Case Western Reserve? Um, I, th- doesn't Western Reserve, t- uh, tied to... Like the whole, uh, like Connecticut and stuff, right? Isn't there like a a stretch of land between Connecticut and Ohio known as Western Reserve or so? Yeah, man, you
0: got it. So like Connecticut's land stretched out all the way to Northeast Ohio. And and then there was a certain point where they lost some of that land. So their land stopped at like the New York or Pennsylvania border and then picked up again in Northeast Ohio.
1: Wow. Connecticut used to spread all the way to Ohio with like gaps in the middle?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) <laughs> the gi- like a giant Pennsylvania-sized gap in the middle, and they called this section their Western Reserve.
1: Oh wow, that's crazy! I because I I, I I I I've heard like the architecture is like pretty similar, like in the, in the town I'm from to like cities in Connecticut, because like there were you know uh, because of the Western the whole reserve. Uh, yeah, that's
0: true. Uh, you you probably would be even hyper aware of that just because it's so true, the architecture in your, yeah in your area is so similar to New England architecture.
1: Yeah. What do you think uh, happened to Connecticut? How they become like one of the smallest states? How they go from this huge like expanse to like a, a small state? They were so big. Yeah. The fall of Connecticut. And killed too many witches off, I guess. Witches, man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lost all those out there. Uh, pay the Piper. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Massachusetts yeah. isn't the bigger e- biggest either, so.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. All that money went to those witch hunters. mm
0: mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: yeah, man, you got anything else? or some other background on this movie, but uh, I don't
1: feel like reading any of it unless you, you want some stuff spoken. Uh, no, nothing jump, jumped out. I mean, it's just, just cool that it was the first movie, and I think even uh, the, this actress, uh, Anya, I think it was like one of her earliest films, too. So I feel like it's, it was kind of a, a platform that a lot of people used and have like gone places since. Yeah, yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, man, well... If, if we're all good on the background, then uh, I'm going to take a quick break, if you don't mind. It's time for my toddler's daily weigh-in, so oh, i got to okay. go preside over that, take his weight, record it, plot it on some graphs and shit. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Okay. I'll be right back. All right.
1: All right, man, I'm back. Great. You get, you document everything?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I plot his weight against some other kids in the neighborhood, and I try to keep him slightly less fat than the other kids, just in case any uh, witches come to our village
1: looking for some baby fat. Oh, man. Good good move. Gotta trying to stay one step ahead. Yeah, that, that's a double benefit, because I, I think last time, after the Witchfinder, we talked about how if he's heavier than a... Or if he's lighter than a Bible. Oh, shoot. Shoot, so... He can't be you don't want him to be the fattest kid in town, but you don't want him to be the lighter than a bible. You gotta arrange there, right? There's a real happy medium there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hence all the grass. It. Yeah. <laughs> you got
0: the the ranges in there. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got the kid two doors down on one point and our bible on another plot point. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Good. You're prepared. Okay, man. Ready to get into the thick of the plot? Yeah, let's get into it. Cool. So we've got this family in 1630s America, and the patriarch of this family, William, he thinks his village isn't living up to the standards of their Puritan faith, and he gets in a dispute with the village leadership and subsequently gets banished from the village. So now we've got this family trying to make it all alone in the countryside in an isolated cabin surrounded by the woods. And in the setup, we see their teenage daughter, Thomason, played by Anya Taylor-Joy. She's praying and confessing her many sins, and it's kind of a setup insinuating that she's having trouble living up to the strict standards that her father and the rest of the family abides by. And that kind of sets up a main source of conflict throughout the film. Thomason's, like, Is Thomason pure enough or religious enough? Is, is her sin somehow causing bad things to happen? Or is she directly responsible for the bad things that happen?
1: Uh, She's kind of the black sheep. But, I mean, that's also kind of like an ongoing uh, conversation in the movie uh, because I think the father keeps reiterating that everyone's, like, born in sin and has to work towards, like, you know, getting to heaven whatsoever. And even, like, you know, the brother asks him at certain points. And it kind of paints religion, like, from the beginning as, like, this sinister monster that's, like, kind of this burden on them where, like, they're all kind of, like, sinners to begin with. Yeah. and yeah, it's just interesting to put that up against a witch. But yeah.
0: Yeah. And it, it's kind of like the religion itself is a source of the scares. Um, not to ditch religion for any of our listeners who are religious, but. In case um, God is listening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that can be scary. <laughs> yeah. Especially for kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, okay. So things go south pretty quickly in the film. It's probably within the first 10 minutes or so thomason's playing a game of peekaboo peekaboo with the baby of the family and when she uncovers her eyes the baby is just gone it has vanished so this throws the family into crisis mode and while this is happening we as the viewer get a scene of this baby presumably somewhere out in the woods it's dark out and it's about to be cut open by what appears to be like an old ghoulish naked lady we just see some of her Maybe some of her abdomen are in her hands as she's, like, the camera's at baby height on this table, and she's presumably about to cut it open. Uh, then we see her mixing a pot full of some sort of reddish liquid and smearing it all over herself.
1: Yeah, according to Wikipedia, she was making a flying ointment. I'm not sure where they got that from.
0: Yeah, yeah, apparently the rendered baby fat, or the rendered fat of an unbaptized baby is an ingredient in which is flying ointment. Cool, I'll be right back. Uh, how much do you love your kid and how much do you love being able to fly
1: I know I don't know man that's that's a hard one I mean I've wanted to fly my whole life (laughs) (laughs) interesting Uh, okay so the
0: family is in anguish over this especially the mother Kate who's constantly crying it seems the whole second act of the movie Um, and part of what she's so upset about is that As we said, the baby is unbaptized, so he's probably in hell, if you follow their logic. So tension develops from here, especially between Kate and Thomason, because Thomason was the one watching the baby when it disappeared. There's also an accusation and a little bit of a subplot over a missing silver cup that we know as the viewer that William sold off to pay for hunting supplies. Uh, But Kate accuses Thomason of doing something mischievous with it and um eventually william admits that that it was him but he lets thomason take the blame for way too long so so now we've got a source of tension between thomason and her dad uh in addition to this she has these annoying little eight-year-old twin siblings and they accuse her of being a witch and they also mention they've been talking to the family goat black philip which comes into play later. So, um, plot progresses. Things get more dire when Thomason and Caleb go into the woods together to check some hunting traps. Caleb's her brother, who is, like, eh, maybe 13. And Caleb goes missing. So this is another disappearance that could be attributed to Thomason. So add more tension, especially between her and her mom, Caleb eventually returns to the family home naked and in horrible condition after we've seen him have an encounter with a sexy witch in the woods. And he eventually has an incredible performance by a child actor, if you ask me. So good. Um, He, like, they've got him kind of in bed, and he wakes up in the throes of this physical and psychological torment after coughing up this bloody apple. And he's just like screaming and he begs the Lord for mercy in some creepy old English language and then he (laughs) dies. Yeah. And it is a haunting scene, like very tense, like chill inducing. Yeah. That is a performance. It was was a heck of a performance. We've seen a lot of great performances from child actors since we started this podcast.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. But this is definitely one of the top ones, I would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Bravo to this kid. Yeah. Harvey Scrimshaw.
1: Is that his name? Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Sounds kind of well, made up. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, so all movie long, as I said, we've seen these annoying twins accusing Thomason of being a witch. And earlier in the film, she jokingly confesses to them, like, okay, I am a witch. And so now, as Caleb dies and it's clear something's up as he coughs up this apple, we have the twins like accusing Thomason in front of their parents like thomason's a witch and then she kind of barks back at them and it's like they've told me they've been talking to black philip so all these kids are accusing each other and william the dad has just had enough and he locks all three of them who are now his only living children in the barn with the goats
1: did you feel like uh the dad was convinced of the witchery i think he was right because he kind of takes thomason and like accuses her and uh, he's like trying to get her to confess, right? That she's a witch.
0: Yeah, I think they're they definitely are starting to think
1: something paranormal is afoot. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, he goes so so far as like even like accuse her his own daughter, and then she, when she accuses the twins, he kind of like goes after the twins in a pretty brutal scene too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the
0: twins fun. at one point couldn't finish their Lord's prayer, which I didn't anything of that but apparently in folklore that was a sign that you were a witch if you like couldn't make it through that prayer
1: oh no kidding yeah okay
0: so that night the kids are all out in the barn and kate has a dream she has a dream that the baby and caleb are alive and well and there's this super creepy sequence where she's breastfeeding the baby and then reality kicks in, and we see what's really happening, and there's this raven just pecking away at her boob. Yeah, that's such a disturbing scene. And there's blood everywhere, stuff. and she's, yeah. Kate's just, like, cackling to herself.
1: Yeah, that that's, like, one of the most disturbing scenes, I think, in this one.
0: Yeah, yeah, another. That and this kid in the throes of death are, like, two of the most haunting scenes.
1: Yeah, yep. Um,
0: P.S. This actress who plays Kate... Uh, Oh, Kate Dickey is her name, the actress. She plays Liza in Game of Thrones. Which one's Liza? She is, oh gosh, I can't remember anyone's is name now. Is she like the sister of someone? She's Lady Stark's sister who lives oh. in the Eyrie or oh. Ivory, And she breastfeeds her like 12-year-old kid.
1: Kind of, so, kind like, of a s- similar role, right? Yeah, yeah, a like creepy character?
0: breastfeeding scenes are this lady's specialty. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Anyway, also that night, uh, a witch appears to the twins and Thomason in the barn. We don't really see what happens. And then the next morning, William comes out and sees that the barn has been destroyed. Dead bodies of the animals are lying everywhere. The twins can't be seen and are presumably dead. And Thomason is laying there unconscious but unharmed. And Black Philip, the goat that the twins have said they talked to, is the only remaining animal alive. And he rams into William and impales him on his horns and kills him. Kate comes out of the house with a bloody nightgown in the boob area from that raven. And Thomason wakes up, and she blames Thomason for everything. And she starts fighting with her, and this fight continues to escalate until Kate's trying to strangle Thomason... And Thomason then, like, grabs a knife and slashes Kate repeatedly until she's dead. So Thomason has killed her mother. This leaves Thomason as the only living family member. She goes inside of their house, puts her head down, and then I think she kind of sleeps until nighttime.
1: Yeah, I think so. Then
0: she wakes up, goes over to the barn, and Black Phillip's in the barn, and she urges him to speak if he, if he really can't speak. And then he speaks in this creepy voice, and he asks her things like, "If she likes the taste of butter and if she likes yeah. nice clothes, I know and if if she'd like to live deliciously,
1: yeah a lot uh, of that hit, hit that hit close to home for me. yeah you you like butter and nice I clothes? L- I love butter man <laughs> <laughs> It's like I'll eat for dinner sometimes yeah and. And J. Crew, you know. Yeah. I kind of want to do an imitation of, of Black Philip. Oh, go for it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously?
1: <laughs> That's uh, really good. Thanks, man. <laughs> nice work. Yeah.
0: I feel like this scene should have been really
1: corny, but I don't think it was. Yeah, it wasn't because you couldn't really see... I mean, they didn't really show... Uh, uh black philip or like i think he like transforms and like you see like a hand like a black hand like kind of cover her shoulder right yeah yeah but the camera
0: is on thompson the whole time so yeah you don't see the goat mouthing the words
1: or anything like that and it does seem like
0: he transforms
1: yeah so i I think that kind of makes it less easy because you're just hearing like this whispered these whispered words and you know like there's some like demonic presence there
0: yeah, they handled this scene well when it could have been a scene that totally ruined the vibe of the entire movie. <laughs> like scenes of a goat talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like this giant puppet with someone moving its mouth. Yeah. yeah. With me doing the voiceover. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would have worked. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: so he tells her to take her clothes off and sign some book, which is her signing her soul over to the devil. And in Puritan mythology, Theology, that's that's how you became a witch. You signed your name in the devil's book. Um, so then she does it, and she follows Black Philip, who's now back into goat form, into the forest. And she joins this coven of witches who are all standing there naked around a fire, and they begin to levitate in the air, and she's like laughing and convulsing as she ascends into the air with them.
1: Happy ending. Happy
0: ending, that's the end. So yeah. it really... <laughs> Again, at its core, it's kind of like she feels trapped in this super religious family, and she can't live up to it, and she just like wants to be free of it,
1: and in yeah. the end, she kind of is. That's interesting. That uh, so so that's that's your view of like what happened there.
0: It's a little bit of my view. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm editorializing here. Uh, I yeah. still think it's very dark. She's not happy about any of this, but in the end, she is kind of cackling.
1: I kind of feel like she was forced out of, like, her family, because of the force of religion and them all being brainwashed to think they're all sinners, uh, they couldn't accept these things that were happening to their family, like a child going missing, which could have been from a wolf or something else, or another child, you know, falling ill, could have been, you know, from a number of things, and then, like, jumping to witchcraft and then, like, accusing that daughter. I mean, it was almost, I kind of felt like she was the victim here of of a family that was, like, just so taken over by religion. And at the end, like freeing herself from it through witchery.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think she was victimized a little bit from the beginning. Like she felt like a filthy, dirty sinner just for being who yeah. she
1: was. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah, maybe we are saying the same thing. Yeah, it was a tense family, and she's kind of like liberated from them at the end by signing a yeah. deal with the devil.
0: Yeah, I think we're. Th- I think we're on the same page. I'm kind of jokingly spinning it as her like, <laughs> yeah, finally finally get in her way, like it's some sort
1: of John Hughes movie, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Cause I, I think there are so many different ways to look at this. Like, was there a witch in the woods or was that all a metaphor? Um, and, and then like, w- were the twins, uh, cause we never see if they died. So were they actually talking to black Philip, and were the twins actually the source of evil that were like kind of betraying the whole family and setting her up on this path?
0: So man here, this brings me to something I want to talk to you about. Okay. So something on the IMDB trivia said that in one shot, corn, like their their crops, their corn, yeah. can be seen with signs of ergot, or ergo, I don't know how you pronounce that, E-R-G-O-T, uh-huh. which is a hallucinogenic fungus that many attribute to like some of these real life stories of possession and witchcraft, like the fungus made people hallucinate. So he may have put that in there to just throw
1: people off, or I don't know, what do you think? You think the whole family was on like drugs the whole time and this was like just some crazy, uh, like they, they all just tripped really bad. It's a bad (laughs) trip killing each other.
0: I don't think that's what, uh, that's not my interpretation, but it's kind of a fun, uh, fun avenue to go down.
1: And, and the director admits that like he put that in there.
0: I believe so, but I can't remember. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea just to put it in there just as a, Hey, what if? Yeah. Yeah. It does open like a whole nother thing.
1: Right. Yeah, it open, opens up a whole nother possibility. I mean, because, yeah, there, there's so many ways to look at this. I mean, and, and uh, you know, through some of the dialogue you hear about it, too, like what you really have here is a family, uh, you know, they were new to the country, and the mother uh, a bunch of times mentioned, like, I just want to go back to England. Like, she, she already felt like, you know, they were out on their own, and now, like, being expelled from their community and living, like, in isolation on their own, like, the effects of, like, you know, just being in the middle of nowhere on your own, uh Kind of like transforms you and like makes you like lose your mind. I mean, there' are so many things here that just kind of created the perfect storm, or could have looked been looked at as reasons for like why any, all of this happened.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it effectively weaves in the family drama and the emotional trauma with an outside
1: source of horror. Yeah, o- outside outside horse being a witch or being being in a being in a new place, I guess. I think like
0: yeah, the outside source of horror being the witches, but oh yeah, um, yeah, everything else like uh, emotional sources of being isolated and being spurned by the village and yeah, not being well, back home in England and struggling lot, to live yeah. up to your strict religion.
1: Yeah, loss of a child. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, you, you just pick one of those, and like what? That, I guess that kind of. Shows what the movie is about. Uh, so, so do you think she was actually a witch the whole time? It's, it sounds like no. I don't think she
0: was the whole time, but I think maybe the coven was targeting her. Yeah. Okay. She's the right age. She wanted to live deliciously, and they knew it. <laughs> yeah. Who could say no to butter? Uh, they, saw, they saw her <laughs> looking at some of that leftover butter.
1: <laughs> yeah. Licking her lips. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Did this movie have themes tied to uh, womanhood, I guess, Uh, because I I know they mentioned at some point, like, you know, she's come of age to get married now. Uh, Do you think like they were nodding to the fact that like, uh, did did any of this have to do with her like, you know, being of age or that like maturing, I guess?
0: I don't think they hit that note very hard. I do think a lot of witch movies tend to
1: kind of hit on that area, but I don't think they really did. How about you? Um, I think you're right I mean there, there was that line or two and I was wondering if there was like some extent metaphor uh, but no I think you're right I, th- I think if there was there was probably been more nods to that for sure
0: I think it was just yeah. another way to create more tension between her and her parents like her overhearing the fact that they were basically ready to ship her off to another family
1: yeah yeah To marry her off yeah yeah so some of those conversations and like the the adults crying and stuff like those were hard scenes to watch because oh yeah yeah. And they all live in
0: this basically one room house and everybody hears everything everyone else yeah. is saying.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly. There's like no privacy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hard living. It's kind of, yeah. Really stressful. Though impressive that like they could just take off from this, like the whole time I was thinking like, wow, how'd they build this like whole like house and, uh, you know, garden. Uh, I mean, they, they have like little huts too on the side, like little sheds. So like they built that all on their own. Which people were pretty resourceful back then.
0: Yeah, they had to be. You had to know how to do stuff, other
1: than record your
0: own voice and send it to people. <laughs> That's all we could do today. Imagine
1: <laughs> us like getting expelled while, while eating butter. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I really like the way they 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 uh, they captured all these different elements that. Uh, were on them and I feel like beyond the witch, there were these other monsters that were on them and he and kind of felt the weight that they were carrying with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like this one could let itself really well. to like a, a stage play. Cause I mean, the costumes are very, uh, the whole set is pretty minimal, very uh, small cast. Um, I, I feel like it would, it could do pretty well on as, as like a theater production. Oh yeah. Interesting thought. Yeah let's do it yeah maybe we should let's, let's call up on you we'll, we'll
0: quit our jobs we'll make this stage play and we'll write our christopher columbus horror movie excellent yeah cool <laughs> we, got, we got so much potential here uh well speaking of that um on a scale of zero to five lives lived deliciously what would you give oh, us oh
1: boy yeah uh it's hard for me to knock this one at all i mean uh it's just done so well, and it's crazy that it's this guy's first film. And, yeah, I mean, I, I get the point about the the audio sometimes being troubling. Uh, so, I yeah, I think I would give this, like, a four-and-a-half uh, lives lived deliciously. What about yes. you?
0: Yeah, I think I'd give it a four. Like, it's really well done. I think they achieved exactly what they wanted to achieve. Yeah. Um, and, again, I feel like a little bit of a, a dummy saying this, un- uncultured, but the uh, period dialogue being accurate to the period did make it a little hard to understand. And uh, consequently I had some, some difficulty emotionally connecting to the characters. Um, but, and also this is just not the type of movie where I like typically give a five to, it was so bleak and, and heavy, but that's exactly what he was going for. And he nailed it.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause if you look at some of the other bleak and heavy movies we've seen, uh, I feel like there's something about this that, uh, a little more. I don't know if it's the timing or the sequencing or the editing. It's like it didn't like drag on as, as much as like some other bleak movies that we've seen tend to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It it is a very heavy, dark movie. I got to show you how to use that uh, subtitle thing. It's pretty pretty easy. Um. <laughs> Dude, I was I was watching this with somebody,
0: and neither of us could figure it out. And I he, turn on subtitles. He, Pretty frequently, and then like the next movie we watched it, they <laughs> it came up. on. Like oh, I had turned them on, it just wasn't working for this movie. Ah,
1: uh, you're watching it on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's weird. Um, hey, do you think this movie would have been better or worse if they hadn't shown the witch? Because like you see the witch three times, I think. Um, but I'm wondering where your thoughts are. Like, because it's always always like you know like a shadow, or she's like you know in a distance, or like a in candlelight or something. But what do what do you think? I like that
0: they showed the witch. Otherwise, it gets into a situation like another. I don't want to spoil any movie, but another recent movie we saw that was similar in atmosphere that didn't really end up going anywhere. Anywhere with the uh, paranormal ex. Oh boy, I can't speak. With the uh, like supernatural or paranormal angle. Yeah. And it ended up being kind of disappointing. Oh
1: shoot. I don't know which one you're talking about, but I'll ask you guys <laughs> to be in this. But yeah, I I, w- I g- wish you could see me. I would spell it out in my butter. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I I agree. I, th- I think you're right. It, 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 did, it Having like those few like glimpses of the witch, I think added a layer of like authenticity to this. Cool. Uh, anything else, man? Uh, no, no. Great, great pick.
0: Okay. That's all for this episode, folks. We hope you enjoyed our conversation on the witch. If you did enjoy it, please give us a five star rating if you're feeling generous on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to talk to us about it, you can contact us on Facebook. We're at Horror Movie Club Podcast on Facebook, Horror Movie Pod on Twitter. You can email us at podcast at HorrorMovieClub.com. As I mentioned, you can check out HorrorMovieClub.com. We should have some written content up there for you to enjoy and peruse. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Pop Art. Check her out on Etsy.com. I've just got some stuff from her recently, so I'm excited for that. And until next time, if a black goat asks you if you like butter, uh, just run away.